Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, Pastor Chris continues our Kingdom Culture series as he shares about grace. Well, I am honored to get to share again this morning, and I'm excited about the topic. We've been going through this series called Kingdom Culture. This book is not necessarily our textbook by any means, but some of the ideas that we're um, drawing and speaking on are drawn out of this book. Our series is called Kingdom Culture, Living the Values of Christ and His Kingdom. Um, and just really briefly to recap what we've gone through the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we heard from Pastor Jana, the first core value of the kingdom of God is that God is good. Now, as I go through this list, this is not an exhaustive list of the values of the kingdom of God, but these are the ones that we've chosen to focus on for this series. So the first one, God is good. The second one is the joy of salvation, or salvation creates a joyful identity. That was last week. And this week, we are talking about what it means to be responsive to grace. This is a powerful, powerful message. And I tell you this as well, all of these topics and these core values of the kingdom of God are drawn out from Scripture. If you'd like to pick this book up, it's by Dan Fairley, called Kingdom Culture. It is packed full of Scriptures, um, just to help establish and show you where these core values come from. So as we're walking through these, these are core values of the kingdom of God. These aren't necessarily like our church's statement of faith, but they're obviously things that we believe and think are extremely important to understand and to be living out. Um, as we talk about the kingdom of God, just refresh your memory and remember that the kingdom of God is more than just a phrase. It's more than just a Christian expression. It's more than just like an idea. It's an actual spiritual reality that has a king named Jesus, right? God is seated on his throne. Um, but this kingdom of God is a real spiritual reality. So, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're spe- specifically talking about the culture of God's kingdom. We have this definition of culture that's up here. The set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or organization. So again, we're talking about the culture of the kingdom of God, not necessarily just a church, but we're trying to explore what are the, the values, the goals um, of the kingdom of God, and how do those create culture? Ultimately, you, as a believer, have been invited into the kingdom of God. So the goal would be, I think, that the Lord wants his kingdom to so affect your heart and your life that it begins to affect others' hearts and lives through you. Does that make sense? This is why the culture of the kingdom and understanding his culture is so important. I want to live like Jesus in his kingdom. Cool. Let's pray really quick before we dive into this responsive to grace message. Father, we just welcome you. I thank you that you are here. I pray that you just tune our hearts to you to be more aware of your presence and your love. I just bless everyone in this room right now. In Jesus' name, I just bless where they are in their journey with you, Lord, their walk with you, Father God. I bless, um, yeah, their understanding of your word today in Jesus' name. I bless their relationships, Father. I bless their heart. I pray our hearts would be open today and sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would speak so clearly to us, Father. I thank you for um, your presence that is with us, God. Go with us now. I pray that your words would come forth in power, that you'd illuminate your word um, and shine deeply into our hearts, Lord, that we could be um, transformed more into your image, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. This message is, being, is about being responsive to grace. And I'm going to define grace in just a moment. It's interesting to recognize this. I looked this up. Grace, the word grace, depending on your translation, in the Old Testament, I'm, I'm dividing my Bible here. I'm rightly dividing the word of truth right between the Old and New Testament. Some of you, that's a, a Bible joke, and that was funny to you. Um, the word grace, in this big portion of the Bible, depending on your translation, in the Old Testament only appears approximately between four and ten times the word grace in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, that little guy, the word grace appears around 120 times. This is really cool. I mean, th- I'm so happy that I live post-Jesus, to be honest, you know, like the animal sacrifices and the stuff and just like pushing your sin off another year kind of would get old, I think. So I'm really grateful that we live in this time. Um, grace is obviously so essential to our lives, even our salvation. How did it come to us? By grace, through faith. So grace is even what drew us initially into um, salvation, relationship with Jesus, eternal life, knowing Jesus Christ. So grace is so important, between four and 10 times in the Old Testament, but around 120 times it's seen in the New Testament. This is the definition of grace I'm gonna use moving forward through this message, is that grace is undeserved forgiveness and favor. Undeserved forgiveness and favor. Romans 5.8 is an essential verse for us today. If you're taking notes, let me just write down any thoughts that kind of uh, stick out to you and any scripture references you'd like to look at later. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is grace defined, undeserved forgiveness and favor. I like this quote on grace. Grace sees the entirety of the mess you've made and lovingly forgives and favors you into a position to clean it up and move forward. I'm gonna say that once more. Grace sees the entirety of the mess you've made and lovingly forgives and favors you into a position to clean it up and move forward. Quite simply, God's grace empowers you to change. This is the fullness of God's grace. God's grace empowers you to change. Um, Who knows who Joyce Meyer is? Do my 20-somethings and below know who Joyce Meyer is? I'm just curious. Yeah? Yeah, you guys know what's up. I used to, Blake knows this. Oh my gosh, Blake, you're sitting back there. I cannot believe this. I used to do this impersonation of Joyce Meyer. You were the podium. There's a photo of us doing this. I remember this from when I was like 17. Oh, I can't believe this. You want to reenact this? No. Stay. (laughs) This is hilarious. I forgot. It was you, wasn't it? Fine Arts Trip, North Carolina. Yep, 2007, maybe. Wow, I'm being mind blown right now. Joyce Meyer, lover. I really do. We grew up with TBN on in the house and Eternity Broadcasting Network, folks. Hello. What were some of the most popular programs? Um, to, this is the day, Benny Hinn. Hello. Um, what else was on there? What was the Rod Parsley one? <laughs> so many. TBN, this is throwback, sorry. It seems like God TV is a trendy one now. Is that true? No, nope, okay. <laughs> TBN, we grew up with TBN. But Joyce Meyer, what a powerful, powerful person. I used to do an impersonation of her. I almost want to do it right now, but, oh, should I? Oh, 
I did hit puberty, though. That kind of threw the voice a little bit. But I tried it first service and discovered I still can kind of... Should I? Gosh, I want to read the quote, but if I do it in her voice, you won't take it seriously. Joyce Meyer, let's see. Remember her TV program, Enjoying Everyday Life? You know, this is the thing that I really want you to get today, folks. That was too, that was too Midwest. Folks, that was a little too... Um, this, whole thing, this whole thing is about enjoying everyday life with God. It's not that complicated. God's got grace for you, grace for me. There's enough to go around. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Pour some grace out on them right now. Is that all right? Hey. Woo. I can still kind of do it. I'm kind of, wow. So sorry. Um, if you don't know who that is, go YouTube that. I felt like that was, that was decent impersonation, not bad. I got a quote from Joyce Meyer, though, about God's grace. I think it's up there on the screen. If you believe in grace, then let it change you. Do not use it as an excuse to stay the way you are. Come on. I'm going to read that once more. If you believe in grace, then let it change you. Do not use it as an excuse to stay the way you are. Is there a water bottle or something on stage here I can tip over? Um, a cup of coffee. You know, grace naturally has this type of effect. If I were to come and approach this water bottle and take energy from my hand and move it into this water bottle and follow through, it would be very natural for this water bottle to fall off the music stand, right? It would be extremely unnatural if I came to this water bottle, approached it, and I somehow couldn't move it. My energy went transferred to it, into it, creating motion. But that's, that's super normal, right? How energy works and transfers. This is the nature of grace. If we believe in it, then let it change you. Anytime you experience God's grace, whether it be in a moment of prayer, whether it be a random moment at work or in relationship, in a moment of worship, anytime you receive and experience God's grace, Grace's nature is that it wants to move you. It wants to change you. So I want to talk in just a minute about how that is part of this idea of being responsive to grace. If we believe in grace, then we should let it change us. Do not use it as an excuse to stay the way you are. This is one of the cool things about grace. Think about a time real quick when you, you know you are in the wrong. This could be a childhood experience at school. It could be something, uh, you did something bad in the classroom, it could be something against an authority figure, or maybe it was against a friend or someone you love, you did something, you know you were in the wrong, and that person's reaction when they found out was one of anger, and uh, maybe they were just upset, there was no place of love or forgiveness, put that to the side. Think about a different experience, maybe where you knew you were in the wrong, you did something um, that upset someone else, but their response to you was one of grace. They fully saw what you did, the mess that you made, and they let you know that it hurt them, but they came in and they forgave, they loved, they offered you mercy, and even beyond that, they even offered to help you clean things up. Which of those two experiences would cause you to be more likely to change for the better. Definitely the one that was filled with grace. 
This is how God operates in our lives. This is what grace looks like. Grace empowers us to change. If we believe in grace, let's let it change us. Flip open your Bibles if you've got them to Titus chapter 2. This is a little, little book right before the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Titus, then there's Philemon, then there's Hebrews. It's right after First and Second Timothy. Titus chapter 2, I believe this will be on the screen as well. I love this picture of grace from the word of God. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Here's what grace does. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Pause right there. Did you have any idea that grace taught? If I said, what's the purpose of grace? Most everybody's answer would be, I don't know, to get forgiveness. This is such a cool passage. Grace teaches. We receive forgiveness as an act of grace, but grace is so much, be, so, uh, much further beyond that. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Ho, ho, ho. Eager to do what is good. This is what grace teaches. God gives grace as a teacher to each of us. Christ gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify us for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Grace is powerful. It demands a response in our hearts. So much deeper than just forgiveness. So I want to talk about three elements of being responsive to grace. Each of you in this room, you've received grace in some measure. You know, It's how Jesus came to you in the first place. By grace, you're saved. So you all, everyone in this room, we have capacity to receive grace. But I want to talk about the difference between just receiving grace and maybe being forgiven and then being responsive to grace, allowing it to move you and move through you. So being responsive to grace, I just have three things. means these three things. Number one, it means walking in authentic, measurable change. This is being responsive to grace. Sort of like Titus 2 explains. Grace actually teaches us to change our way of life by saying no to certain things and yes to God. Flip to Romans chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, this will also be on the screen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 6. Oh, I love this. Chapter 5 talks about how where sin abounded, grace came in even more. We're starting in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Remember seeing baptisms last week? Such a powerful preach. Baptisms alone just preach so loudly of the saving power of Jesus. Of actually dying to sin and your spirit being fully alive and made new in Christ. It's a powerful revelation of being made new in Christ. Verse 11 of Romans 6. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Have you counted yourself dead to sin recently? Such a strange statement, isn't it? In the same way, Everett, count yourself dead to sin, but count yourself alive to Christ. I think this is a mindset shift for a lot of people where we still think our enemy or maybe we think our battle and our victory is found in our own strength when it comes to fighting sin, defeating sin. Salvation is so powerful. Do you realize your spirit has been fully saved by Jesus and fully renewed? But does any believers in here who still struggle sometimes with sin? Yep. I'm going to actually share some of just the story with you of my own in a little bit. But it's really cool because we have to understand your spirit has been fully transformed and made new by Jesus Christ as you came into him. So you have to count yourself dead to sin in that regard and alive to Christ where you are a new creation like the word says. I don't know why this is so hard for us to grasp. I think because we live in a world where we see and experience brokenness and sin so often, this can be so hard for us to actually switch our minds to realize I am a new creation. Yes, we're being sanctified. I think the sanctification, anyone grew up in a church where that was a common word, sanctification? This idea that when you gave your life to Christ, you got saved. It was a done deal. But now on this planet, these, li- these years that you live, you're in a sanctification process where God is sanctifying you. I totally think that's true. And then one day, we will be in eternity with heaven. No pain, no suffering, no sin, no, right? None of this. But in the sanctification process, when you met Jesus, your spirit was fully new. You were a new creation. The sanctification process is that new creation getting from just your spirit, I think, into your entire being. Does that make sense? It's living by the spirit instead of by the flesh. So even though we're in this period of time where it feels like sanctification, we have to switch our minds to to realize I am a new creation. You are a new creation. You've been, been made new from the inside out. Romans 6. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 2 is another cool verse. It talks about, uh, actually, my sister just talked with me about this. Powerful verse about the tr- um, renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe it's Romans 12, 2. This is an amazing process. I think that's part of the process we live in right now. We're fully saved, completely saved, and there's this renewal of our mind that takes place. So much of repentance has to do before it manifests as a change of how we live and change of action, has to do with the change of how we think. Renewing our minds through the word of God, being sanctified by the truth, and that ultimately results in this first point, walking out an authentic, miserable change. We need to understand the power of our individual lives and how we live and how that affects God's kingdom coming to earth. 
and how that affects God ultimately getting glory. But there's this piece of when we receive grace, it challenges us. Grace makes me want to be more like Christ. I believe this specific for some of you is that God actually is going to speak to you or maybe already is about relationships or things in the past that you sort of disregarded, but God might be saying, you need to go make this right. This has been the most recent challenge for me. God just saying, Chris, get your life in order in all these little places. Take care of this stuff. So walking in authentic, measurable change is a way that we can be responsive to grace. Number two, this is a really cool, cool story in Luke 17. Number two, being responsive to grace means worshiping Jesus. A proper response to grace is that we worship the Savior. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus heals them all. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Such a strange story. Jesus gives grace, healing to all ten, but only one truly responds to that grace by worshiping the one who gave the healing, by returning to Jesus to give praise. So being responsive to grace also means worshiping Jesus as a response when he touches us. And then finally, such an important one, is that being responsive to grace means extending grace to others. Flip over to Luke chapter 7. Extending grace to others. This is our final passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 7. Dial into the story just for one moment. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, it's about extending grace to others. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And here is where it's at, you guys, 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. I want to read verse 47 again. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Another way of saying that first half is that whoever has been forgiven much loves much. Your experience or measure of God's grace will only be as big as your acknowledgement of your need for it. Your experience of God's grace, your personal experience will only be as big as your acknowledgement of your need for it. Has anybody been forgiven much? And does anyone still sometimes have a need for that forgiveness? If we recognize that, it enables us to receive that abundant grace. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. If I don't think I need forgiveness for anything, I've done nothing wrong, I'm fine. I cut myself off from the grace of God. But by being in a humble place of saying, Lord, it's another day, I'm gonna encounter Difficult people, difficult people in the world. I'm kidding. It's another day. I'm gonna need your grace for what I face today. If we're humble, we recognize we're gonna need help. Then we'll experience the depth and an abundance of God's grace. And as we do that, we're enabled to extend that grace to others. Guys, I think one of the problems in the church sometimes is that Christians don't really realize even the extent of their own forgiveness, that God has forgiven them. If you don't understand or believe that God really has forgiven you, there probably will be a lack of love in your life towards other people. But the greater revelation you and I can receive of the forgiveness of God in our personal life, the greater our love and our output will be towards others. Just rest where you are and bow your head. Father, I just pray that first, that Lord, each person's revelation of your forgiveness would increase right now, Lord. The revelation of your forgiveness and love for each person in this room, Father, would increase right now. I ask for that, Father. I bless what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name. Increase our understanding, Father, of your great love for us, Lord. Your grace, Father, sees us today, it saw us yesterday, it saw all the way back to before we were here. Lord, and it sees it all, it knows it all, the good and the bad, and it forgives it all, it loves us through it all, it empowers us through it all. And Father, increase that ability for us to receive your grace today, Jesus. Father, and I pray too, Lord, Continue to move in our hearts, Father, that I pray that would sweep across our church, Lord, the desire to set everything in our lives in order. Now, Lord, if there's things just we've neglected or even ignored or been oblivious to, Father, that you would say, just set this thing in order so that I can move, that, God, we would be responsive to you as you do that, Lord. It is for your glory, Lord. It's for your glory, Father. 
give you glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray two more things over this group. If this is you, you just want to have a heart that's more responsive when God gives you grace, that you walk out that grace, that you'll live in that grace, that you'll see that change, that you'll worship Jesus through it, that you'll extend grace to others. If any of that strikes you, I just want to pray specifically over those things, Lord. God, that you would just impart that new grace and a fuller measure of your grace to each one. That when we experience your grace and feel it, Lord, I pray that it would now, uh, we would be moved by it, Father. That it would transfer into our lives looking different, Jesus. Lord, that we just would never use your grace as an excuse or a reason to stay the same, Father. But you would keep moving us, Lord, and forming us into the uh, beautiful body of Christ that you are, Lord. We give you glory. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.